Yo, what's up, man? It's your boy, A-Mix, A-Boogie, A-Ron, A-A-Ron. And yes, this episode of The Crazy Part is I Am By Myself. The homie Addie, she's out living her best life. She took a trip somewhere close and dear to our heart. It's actually a dope moment, but I'll let her talk about it when she returns if she feels like it. So yeah, it's just me this week. Uh, Interesting. Interesting. I go back to when I thought about the podcast. Had to be winter or fall of 2021, or maybe even the summer of that year. Me and my boy, we were talking about doing an investment podcast, and the market is saturated or whatnot, and life happens, and so really never filtered into anything. And then in my mind, I was like, I'm ranting a lot on social media. And when I get around my friends, we talk about politics or world events. You know what I mean? I'm doing the same thing. So I was like, all right, I need a podcast to where I could just talk my shit. And the crazy part is developed in my head. And I had a couple of people in mind I wanted to do it with. And then I was content on doing it by myself. And then my homie Addy showed up. So that's what it is. This week's episode, I want to do something different, man. I want to talk about some personal experiences, some growth, some development, life. You know what I mean? Call this episode, I think this is episode nine, Life Listens. Man, so you all got a piece of, or you've been getting pieces of me and my journey from my mental health issues, therapy, late bloomer syndrome, and whatnot, you know. But that's just a very small portion of my life. You know, I've been through a lot, a lot. I'm 36. I've been through more than some people at 80 years old, man. You know what I mean? And not saying that it's worse or better, but I've been through a lot for a 36-year-old. As time goes on and we get a little closer and a little more intimate, I will go into detail about my journey and my story. But yeah, man, so from group homes to being adopted to over, man, what, 10 years, seven years of homelessness, of couch surfing, unemployment, homeless shelters. Man, I've lived it all, lived it all, man. Life is weird that way, man. When I was younger, I struggled with anger. I struggled being able to understand my emotions. I think I struggled a lot with just accepting the reality of the situation. My mother was a drug addict, so that led me and my sisters to being adopted. And that was an interesting period of my life, man, in the sense that, I mean, I had a bedroom. I already had two biological sisters, and then I got three other siblings, a total of four other siblings, but my first adoption, you know what I mean? Three other siblings, a mother in the household who worked her ass off to support all six of us, a Christmas, a birthday with a birthday party, you know what I mean? Family reunions. It was a dope period of my life, man. A dope period of my life. But young Aaron still was just struggling, man. Fast forward to the group homes where I developed some anger, resentment towards my biological mother, resentment towards myself, resentment towards God, the universe, resentment towards society. And that was a huge part of my life because I think that's where I did my most. That's when I went through my most trials. I... After those trials, it's when I went through my biggest growth period. I was angry at the world, man. I was so angry that it didn't take much to excite me. It didn't take much to really make me become physically mad and want to fight everybody around. And it didn't matter who was around. If I got triggered in that moment, I was fighting you. And 
I've always been charismatic. I've always been a leader to a certain extent. I've always been a class clown. So I've always put myself out there to shine a light on myself. But during this period, that light that was shining wasn't the light that I wanted. But I didn't know. I was getting the attention that I thought I was seeking. I was getting some attention, whether it be constantly on punishment or burning bridges, not having anywhere to stay, people not wanting to be around me. And my anger, I was convinced that it was just passion. I'm passionate about mine. And people around me continued to tell me that it, it didn't read as passion. It just read as an angry black kid. And I wasn't going to be able to succeed in life with that weight hanging on me. But you couldn't tell me shit at that age. This was 21 in a homeless shelter. So this was right after the group home. So yeah, this was 21, 19 to about 25, maybe 24. I didn't accept accountability. I blamed everybody but myself for mistakes that I knew I had made. I blamed everybody for the life that I had lived all the way up until that point. I was angry. I was angry at my mother. I was angry at friends and family just to be angry at somebody. I was angry at myself. And you couldn't tell me shit, right? The world owed me at that point in time for all the shit that I had been through. So I was going to be rebellious. I was going to be anti every fucking thing. Uh, and mind you, I didn't have shit. Again, I was in a homeless fucking shelter. I didn't have shit. One of my biggest humbling moments was I was in this homeless shelter and I'll never forget the lady's name. She used to run the home and the homeless shelter was nothing but men. And these men came from all walks of life. It's probably where I've developed my ability to be able to connect with anybody because the homeless shelter had to be at least 80 people, 80 grown men. And when I say grown, I mean grown men, like 50 years old and been through some shit. And she ruled this place with like an iron fist, man. She was a drill sergeant. She didn't take no shit and she couldn't. Like she had to be hard, you know what I mean? She had to be tough. She couldn't show any type of weakness or she was gonna get ate up, you know? Me, the young, at that point I was skinny. The young skinny kid, very much with an attitude like Will Smith when he first stepped on the scene in Bel Air. You know, I was going to make everybody laugh. I was going to do the most to just be a little bit annoying, but not all the annoying. You know what I mean? Again, seeking some type of attention at this point. I don't care what it is. But I was also going through getting my GED, trying to figure out what my path is in life. And I get my GED. I score high in the math and history areas and whatnot, and I'm excited as shit. And some of the men who kind of took me up onto their wing and tried to teach young young men some, uh, tried to show me the ropes, you know what I mean, on just becoming older adult man, you know what I mean? They were excited, you know what I mean? We had plan on eating. And then I remember the woman who ran the center. And she, I saw her and I ran over her like, yo, I got my GED. You know what I mean? I did it. I'm the big shit now. And she looks at me expressionless. She had no expressions on her face, no excitement, no joy, no disappointment. Like there was nothing there. And she cocks her head to the side and she says, well, what's next? That shit ate me up, man. I'm not going to lie. I remember going, we had these little cubicles and that was the bed. It was these little cubicles. And you had your bed and the bed was, I think it was like a twin. I could barely fit on that bitch. 
and you had a little cubby hole and then you may have had like a dirty clothes hamper to put your clothes in. And it, it was small, you know what I mean? It was small as shit. And I went into the little cubicle that I had and I sat down in it and I'm, I'm thinking like, man, this woman. And I said, I said words, not, I didn't say woman, you know what I mean? I, I use your imagination, but I was going off. I mean, what, who is she? Who is she? I mean, she went in a homeless shelter. She ain't nobody. Meanwhile, I'm the motherfucker still living in a homeless shelter. And I was just angry. I went on a rampage that full week. I remember playing basketball outside against one of my friends at that time. And we playing a game all the way up to 10 points or whatnot. And I mean, I get beat in basketball, but I, I want to fight him. I want to fight him. You know what I mean? I want to whoop his ass. That hurt. And going through therapy at this point in time, met with my therapist and we talked about that moment and we talked about the anger that I experienced. And she we started talking about my father, my biological father. I knew of him. I met him a couple of times at that point and he, he had passed away. I believe this was 2006, 2007. Prior to him passing away, I uh, stayed with him. We got into a big old fight and whatnot. And I was done with him and I hadn't talked to him up until probably a, a few months or maybe a few weeks before he passed away to apologize and try to rekindle some type of relationship. Because at that point, we probably had spent total time together, maybe four or five months. So that's how much of a relationship we didn't have. After he passed away, I started to realize I didn't get to ask the questions that I wanted to ask. When I was living with him, it was so much about him. I was 18 or 19 at the point when I was staying with him, maybe 20 at the point where I was staying with him. And uh, I felt like that was my time to be his child, his son. And he felt like that was the time for me to become a man. So I was going to work every day, putting money in the house. And I was just angry, just angry, angry at him. I thought he was using me and there was no opportunity for me to feel like it was. I didn't feel at that time like that was my father. So I didn't have the ability, nor was I allowing a circumstance of or the ability to ask him questions in regards to just his life, trying to understand my father, trying to understand who this man was that I will likely look like at some point in my life, possibly now, likely take uh, some of his uh, flaws, some of the things that he does well, his genes and my genes, but I didn't get the opportunity to. So fast forward to in therapy, we're talking about this and we're trying to unpack why I'm angry and we're unpacking. She's role playing a little bit. She's my father. And I'm like, this is bullshit. She was like, what would you want to say to your father? You know what I mean? And I say words, you know what I mean? Little soft words. She was like, no, what the fuck do you want to say to your father right the fuck now? I mean, so I got up and I started yelling, you know what I mean? Screaming. And at that point, this white woman has just become a heavyset black man that was my father. And I was yelling and screaming and pointing my finger at her. And then she was like, okay. We got to a point to where I was exhausted, you know, yelling and doing all of that screaming. And she was like, okay, what do we do next? I was like, well, what do you mean? She was like, you just got finished yelling at your father. Your father's dead. Why are you allowing somebody or something to hold that much control over who you are going to be? And they're no longer here. That was the day that my anger started to subside. And that was the day I realized what the homeless shelter owner, or she wasn't owner, she was like the president of the homeless shelter, what she meant by what's next. I was so content on who I was at that point in my life, whether it because I thought that that's all I could be 
or that's all I knew or that's all I wanted to know. Regardless of the reason, I was content with the person who I was at that time. And everybody around me tried to get me to understand that this was not it. I mean, where I was at that age, what I thought I had accomplished at that age, the life lessons I had learned all the way up until that point was not it. And it took those two moments right after each other. Really, really awkward. That's life, man. To get me to start moving in the direction of becoming the person you hear today. And, and for some of you, all the person you see every day. The anger started to leave, man. And after that, you know, there was a transition in conversation uh, for me to understand how to be an adult. Because now I'm going to work. Uh, I'm going to get on my feet. I'm going to live life. I'm going to go to college, further my education, figure out what I want to do. And that was the exploration part of my life. I was still homeless, uh, living in a, a motel where it was prostitutes in and out at night. Matter of fact, multiple times people would come to my hotel room and knock on my door. It'd be the police asking if I saw this prostitute X, Y, Z. I never partook, whatever. But at that same point in time, I was also putting on fashion shows across Phoenix, Arizona at a PHX nightclub. I think both of my fashion shows were there. Me and my partner, Uncle Mark, we was out there promoting fashion shows. We rock entertainment. But you wouldn't know that I was going back to a, a motel that I was able to finesse hotel room, a motel room that I was able to finesse on Van Buren. And that period of my life was unique in the sense that my hustle game was strong. I was trying to live a life that I wanted while also not really caring about everything else that was behind the scenes, which was I was lost. I would come back to the motel and developed insomnia. Uh, I was awake majority of the time. I got addicted to pain pills during that time. It was an exploration period, but yet I was faced with more demons that I wasn't prepared for. Uh, so going back to therapy, thank God for the group homes and stuff, uh, going back to therapy, trying to understand where those obstacles are coming from. I learned that I have anxiety and I've probably had this since childhood and start going through the processes of trying to understand the anxiety from a child's point of view um, and then fast forward and then you are attempting to understand the anxiety to the point to where you can develop tools to help overcome it in the moment. But I didn't take therapy serious. I think that was the point of my life where me, I was staying with my cousin. I told her I was going to move out Tuesday. I just didn't tell her what Tuesday I was moving out. So it ended up being a few years. But hey, you know what I mean? I think I eventually left on a Tuesday. And we was out the buzz. We was tearing up the scene. You know what I mean? I hop and uh, Denny's after the buzz. Shit faced off of hypnotics and adios motherfuckers. You know what I mean? And hoax. Those mid-2000s, late 2000s reeks. You know what I mean? So I didn't take therapy serious, man. I didn't take therapy serious or I took it serious when I was in the moment. But the minute those doors closed and I was out and on the bus back to my cousin's house to get ready for the draft house later that night, that's where it stopped. That's where the therapy stopped. So I was masking all of my emotions through all the shit that I, all the activities that I was doing. I would go work from work to the club, from work to drink, from work to the video games. I was a big computer game fanatic then. And I wasn't holding myself accountable. During that point in my life, I was working and that money would go out to the fun. I wasn't saving. I wasn't stacking. I wasn't responsible at all. 
very much could have gotten myself out of the shit that I gotten myself into years past, but I just didn't take the opportunity. Uh, again, another example of me wanting to live a part of my life that I think uh, that I felt at that time that I missed out on. And at this point, you know what I mean? I was 24, 25, late bloomer. So uh, partying wasn't, I wasn't accustomed to partying up until later on in age. So we get all the way up until recently where I said, I'm going to take care of this depression, take care of this anxiety uh, for real, for real. I'm not going to play any games with it. I'm going to go to a, a therapist uh, and I'm going to do everything this therapist says for me to do. So here I am now. Years of therapy, years of highs and lows, of adversity, years of unspeakable down points in my life, um, years of, at that point in time, unspeakable heights of my life. Just as I look back on that portion, or as I look back on the years prior, it still doesn't make sense how everything lined up, how everything works out, you know what I mean? But it's like looking back at another person or, or looking at a movie. I recognize who that person is or who that actor is because they look like me, but everything that they're going through, it doesn't feel like it. And yeah, man, it just life has its way of getting you to the point where you need to be. And when you get there is up to you and your resistance to that change. Because I wonder if angry boy Aaron at 19, if he would have taken therapy serious when he had it in the group home years, where would he have been? I wonder if unfocused anxiety-driven Aaron in 2007, 2010, if he had been more focused and more responsible and accountable and took therapy seriously, where would he have been? And I say, look at me now. I took therapy serious finally. I took change finally in my life. I took accountability. I do self-reflection at least twice a week. I try to be cognizant and mindful of checking in on myself. I used to do it with my boy Thomas. We haven't done that in a minute, but I used to check in with him. Yo, how am I doing? Is there any areas of opportunity for improvement? And he would give me his feedback, you know what I mean? But I do that now to myself. I take inventory because I'm scared of going back to that that Aaron that was angry. I'm scared of going back to that Aaron that was unfocused and untamed and irresponsible. So I try to take inventory of myself, of where I'm at of the goals that I've had and whether or not I've achieved them and the reasons why I have not achieved them. Am I holding myself accountable, right? If, if I've caused any qualms or if something didn't go the way I hoped it planned, I mean, what ownership can I take in that thing to ensure that I do everything in my power to be successful? And if not, then I can at least say I've done it. I do that every day, man, because life gives us opportunities to be great to rise up to the occasion. The reason why it happens later, I feel like the reason why it happens later on in life for some people is just because we ignore it in the earlier stages of our life. We don't acknowledge it. We go by our own beat of our drum, own beat of the drum. And it isn't up until we get to the point to where we say we are ready to make that change and be different that we actually get into what life has in store for us, what God has given us, what the universe has blessed us with. And I am very thankful for my journey. 
Sure, there's some parts that I wish I never had to live, but hindsight, looking back, I'm very, very thankful for the big portion of what I had to go through to get to where I'm at now. I appreciate things that I have more. I'm very understanding of other people's traumas. I could speak to anybody and work up a relationship or a conversation with anybody, no matter the walk of life. I'm just very happy that I'm on a path that looks very different from the path I was on. And it's all because I chose to listen to what life was trying to tell me some years ago. So the moral of the story or the crazy part is if you are feeling lost, if you're wondering why you always keep hitting a ceiling, uh, I'm no expert, but that possibly is God, the universe, life telling you that there's another way for you to do this or uh, look at yourself. What do you need to fix to get to the next place in your life? That's it. Short episode, short but sweet. I didn't want to get on a rant. I appreciate you all listening to this week. Addy, I hope you're safe. Peace.